Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and uh, I'm here today with Stacey Brown-Randall. So Stacy is the author of Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, creator of the Growth by Referrals program. And um, you know, this is something, an issue that I probably don't have to bring up the importance of referrals to law firms. But yeah, especially with the times that we have going on right now, I think it's a really timely episode. So thanks for coming on, Stacey. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, awesome. So just to give people a little bit of background on, on um, where you come from. So how did you get into this uh, position of, of being so awesome in referrals and, and what really drove you to this? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, what's interesting about that is I wish it was this really incredible, amazing story of like, I just woke up one day and was like, I want to teach the world how to generate referrals without asking. But that's not how it worked. It's actually something I had to come up with for myself out of sheer necessity and by the grace of God. I actually had a business Um, that I own. It was an HR consulting firm. And I owned that firm from 2004 to 2012 until it bit the dust. And I actually became a member of the business failure club. And it was when I kind of looked back on why that business failed and what I had done wrong. And while I was had to go back and get a job at corporate America, was figuring out what I did wrong. How would I relaunch another company? What, how would I do it different? So I didn't suffer the same fate as that failure. And just kind of figuring out that one thing my first company didn't do was I didn't figure out how to fill the pipeline of new potential clients or new prospects on a regular basis. So I would get the work and I'd get a new client. I would get the work. I would put my head down and I would do the work. And then I would look up and be like, oh no, I don't have any more clients coming in. I need to go find more clients. And that's a very typical kind of roller coaster hamster wheel that you should be on the first or second year of your business. But I was still on it in my fourth year. And unfortunately that's not sustainable. So when that business failed, I took a job in corporate America, kind of like, you know, picked myself up, dusted off my ego, was like, okay, what did I do wrong? And I realized filling the prospect pipeline was one of the main things that I had to figure out if I wanted to make my second business actually successful. And so when I got into my second business and I was trying to grow it and fill the pipeline, I really had that opportunity to kind of look at, well, how do I want to grow my business? And I have three children and a husband that works as well. So for me, I didn't want to spend every night networking and every lunch eating more rubber chicken and another networking event. And obviously there were some things that I wasn't going to be able to do um, or I could do, but didn't want to do like cold calling, things like that. And so I really kind of stumbled on, well, what I really want are referrals. That's ultimately what I really want. So I went to the all-knowing Google, like most of us do. And we're like, okay, I, I want to get these referrals. I want, that's how I want to grow my business. And then I realized from that perspective that it wasn't that simple because all the advice was that you had to ask for referrals, which I didn't want to do. And so I really was like, I wonder if I could just get referrals without asking. And my business became the guinea pig to figure out this would work. When it became successful, the clients that I was working with were like, start teaching us this. And I started teaching my methodology to how to generate referrals without asking. And then I just did an entire business pivot towards that a number of years ago. And that's how I ended up here having this conversation with you. All right. Awesome. No, that, that's really interesting. I mean, there's, there's definitely, first of all, congratulations for getting back on the horse. Uh, you know, a lot more, more of us <laughs> than we'd probably like to admit have gone through the same situation. It's really just that second sense of urgency 
And maybe if people even found themselves so they haven't actually outright failed at their law practice, but maybe they found themselves in a place where, you know, they're on that hamster wheel. and It's been 10 years and I thought it was going to be one. But, you know, I think I see it. I'm actually a, a recovering BNI person as well. And you kind of <laughs> see the same thing, which is about the most literal example of people having to ask for referrals. So I guess where would somebody really start in getting to the point where they don't have to ask? I guess, you know, this is probably a big topic to unfold. Where would you start for somebody who's in that situation? Well, so I, whether it's probably the least sexy place to start or the least exciting place to start, it's the most important one we start with. And that, first of all, is the mindset. It's the mindset of recognizing that all you've been taught for decades and decades and decades, whether it's through articles, sales trainings, books, whatever it is on the topic of referrals, 99.9% .9 of all that information out there and has been for, we're talking 30, 40, 50 plus years, has been that if you want referrals, there's three ways to get them. You either ask for them or you pay for them by giving a commission or a kickback, right, to somebody who will give you referrals. Or you have to be very overly promotional and gimmicky to actually be able to receive referrals, like writing your own book as like kind of like the bait for other people to give out on your behalf, right? So like or writing the ebook, right? Or just putting in your signature line of your email, the greatest compliment you can give me as a referral. So those were our options and they have been our options for decades. And so I always tell folks the very first place to start is to understand where that came from. Why is it that for decades and decades and decades, we have been taught that if we want referrals, we have to ask, pay, or be overly promotional and gimmicky. And it comes from the place of, if you understand how we've been teaching sales strategies and sales trainings for forever, it's taught as a two-legged stool. It's taught as you need your prospecting activities and you need your marketing activities. Now, depending on how long you've been in business, right? And if you got into business because you're a great attorney, right? Not necessarily because you're like, I'm going to be the best salesperson ever. You at some point have to learn some sales tactics and techniques. And so even if you've only dabbled in sales training or you've actually been through courses and stuff, we teach it like there is a prospecting side and a marketing side. The marketing side is your website. Maybe it's the social media that you do. Maybe it's the PR, the publicity that you go after. And then you've got your prospecting side. Maybe that's attending every bar event under the sun known to man, right? To meet other people, right? Maybe it's being doing advertising like on billboards or in the phone book when we used to have those, right? Or on the internet. So there's these ways that we've kind of looked at prospecting and marketing. And we've always taught sales as those two stools. So when we look at referrals, then it's natural to understand that, okay, well, if they were taking the concept of referrals, that's somebody referring someone to you, right? Because they know someone who has a problem and they know you can solve it. So they refer them to you. It's like we take that idea of referrals and we try to push it or make it a part of the prospecting strategy or make it a part of the marketing strategy. So then those tactics come out. If it's prospecting, well, of course, it's a shorter time frame. We're trying to get to the finish line faster, meet the potential new client. So if I'm trying to get you referrals through prospecting mentality, okay, then I'm going to teach you to ask or pay because that should be the fastest way to make it happen. Regardless of the fact that we hate that way, both ways, and we don't want to do those things. And of course, in your profession, you can't do some of those things. But the idea is, is that we teach you to ask because we know it's the fastest way to get you, we think, to a referral. But the reality is, is 90 something percent of us don't want to ask because that's not the brand and the reputation we want to have in the marketplace when we're trying to put ourselves out as an expert, right? The person you hire to solve your problems. So we take referrals and we slam it into prospecting and we say, ask or pay. And if that doesn't fit, okay, fine. Then put it over here in marketing, put referrals in marketing. And that's where we get that overly promotional and gimmicky piece. 
So that's what's been happening is that we've taken the concept of referrals and we said, well, it's got to fit in one of these two legs of our sales strategy stool, which is prospecting and marketing. The truth is your sales strategy is a three-legged stool. And the third leg of your prospecting and marketing, the third leg, of course, is the referral plan. And they are three separate distinct plans. Your business probably is going to need pieces of all three, right? Hopefully my goal is always when I work with someone is to make, you know, referrals, the biggest leg of the stool, right? The biggest part of the pie of how you're going to bring in your business. But that's what I always tell folks first and foremost, when you hear this concept, oh yes, we can get referrals without asking. You've got to understand where it started from and where it comes from to then understand, okay, there's a different path forward. Okay. That's a super thorough introduction to that. And, and that's a really good to, to kind of frame the discussion moving forward. So basically, and, and this is kind of a situation I personally found myself in, and I feel like there also might be some situations too from people who are listening to this. It's like this concept of kind of relational capital. And like a lot of the times, like I kind of think about things probably naively in, in this, this sort of linear sense where it's like, okay, well, everyone knows that once you, you, know, you finish up things with a client, it's a good experience. That's when you start asking for referrals. But a lot of the times it's harder to do that. It's easier to think about that. And then and I've even seen recommendations for people ask referrals before you even end up doing business with somebody. Right. So where would you kind of recommend somebody get started? I guess if, if they have an existing process that's working, Where's, how do we kind of start to flush this out? Okay. So here's the thing. The reality of people being taught for so long to ask for referrals, whether it's, hey, if you're meeting with a prospect and they say no, then ask them if they know anybody like them that may want to do business with you. Or if you're meeting with a client and they say, I really appreciate the work that you've done for us, then you know, capitalize on the reciprocity and ask them if they know anybody else like them. Like The truth is those things have been taught for so long and that doesn't mean they don't work. So they do work for some people. The question is, is in your practice, is it working for you? And so if you find yourself in a place understanding when you're supposed to ask and what you're supposed to say and when you're supposed to do it, and you still are hesitating and you don't want to do it, you don't want to ask, the first thing I need you to do is release the fact that you're supposed to. Like, I don't want you asking. When people come into my program, one of the things they have to understand and commit to is that we don't ask. I don't teach you how to ask. This isn't like, get referrals without asking, and then behind the curtain, I'm teaching you how to ask. Like, we fundamentally do not believe that you should be asking for referrals. And that goes back into the human dynamic and the psychology behind how and why referrals actually happen. What we do is we focus in on the relationship we have with the referral source and we strengthen that in a very specific way that allows us to be able to stay connected to that relationship, to that, that referral source, to then also plant referral seeds in our language, which we never ask, we never offer to pay, and we are never promotional and gimmicky. But we understand what this, this other process looks like. It's like another option. And that's the process that we then decide to work with. So if I were to walk into a law firm and the attorneys were to tell me, we ask and we have no problem, I would turn around and walk out. Because I'm like, okay, great, it's working for you. But there's like a gazillion million more that would be like, mm, yep, no, the asking isn't going to match our brand. We don't want to look desperate. We don't want to look like we're asking for business. We're presenting ourselves as in a different way to our clients. We want to be seen as the expert and the resource, right, and the one that they're paying that hourly rate for, or whatever it is, that billable rate for, for them to see us in a specific way. So we have to look at it differently. And it really does come from you first shifting that mindset to say, okay, I'm not asking. All right. So there's got to be the, another way. And that's what I teach. And I just teach it through a five-step process so people can understand 
what this ultimately looks like when it comes to the overview is you're developing relationships with referral sources and then you're staying connected to them while planting the right type of referral seed language and creating a system around it so that it becomes part of your workflow. I mean, I, you really can boil it. We can, of course, I will go into the five steps with you, yeah. but we really can boil it down. If that's ultimately what we're doing. Referrals come from relationships. So you need relationships that you have with your referral sources to be maintained by connection. And then we're just going to do a few pieces that are going to make it really meaningful and memorable and use the right language so that your referral sources think more and more of you from a referral perspective. Awesome. And then, you know, as far as the five steps, obviously, you know, this is this is definitely a thorough system as the basis of, of you know, a lot of the training that you're doing with people. But, you know, is there like a, a, an overview that we could do of, of what people need from a broad perspective to start working at uh, making this work in their own practice? Yeah. So like kind of like the broad perspective of these five steps is really like this. This is the way I kind of describe it. It's step one is first identifying who your referral sources are. Like that's actually key number one. So anytime I do this with any client of mine, I call them students when they join my growth by referrals program. But anytime I do this with any client of mine, it's always our first step. And the first step is let's figure out who's been referring you. So it's like, you know, a conversation I remember having with one of my students who um, is an attorney and I was trying to think about what, what part of the law that he was in. I think he did patents. Right, so we're having this conversation about his work, intellectual property and patents. That was what I couldn't think of as intellectual property, but we're having conversations about his referral sources and we're looking through who had previously referred him and it's identifying that group of folks. And we go through a process that helps us identify, do we think this person has potential to refer us more or was that kind of a one hit wonder? And it looks a little different if someone has like just started their own practice after working at a big firm for the last 10 years versus if they've been at smaller firms, right? So how many referral sources you may have looks different. Most attorneys, their referral sources are going to be other attorneys, but they will have other non-attorneys referring them as well. So we really take a look at who are our referral sources and some are going to have a few and some are going to have many. I think this um, attorney that I was working with, Rick, in general, I think he had more. I think he had like 20, which in some cases unusual. I worked with another attorney on the civil side who started out with one referral source. So everybody kind of starts in a different place. But the idea here is, is that we want to identify who our referral sources are then we want to create a plan of how we're going to maintain connection with that referral source over time. And then we're within that plan, we also want to make sure that we are planting the referral seed language and then turning it into a system and really making sure that our system allows us to do it, to execute on it, to be consistent with it, to, for it to actually maintain within our workflow that we're attempting to do. Okay, awesome. So, the, no, so all right. So, we, we've got kind of an overview. Now, one of the things I wanted to bring up because, you know, obviously a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world right now. And a piece of feedback that I've been getting just from conversations we're having with, with clients and with prospects is that, you know, a lot of the, the, the referral relationships that some people have been counting on for a while are, are kind of in a tough situation. So, I mean, a, we're doing a lot of work in estate planning right now. So, a lot of the times this is financial advisors or real estate agents or people who might be a little bit uh, on the downswing as far as their business goes. So I mean, what kind of stuff are you seeing with your students right now, Stacey? And what kind of recommendations are you making? Yeah. So obviously that you can imagine right now, that's a big topic of conversation is understanding like, what do I do now in this time, in this time period? And the best advice I can give anyone is first and foremost, the first step is 
you actually need to know who is referring you. You need to go through the process of refer of identifying your referral sources. And I outline this in detail in chapter eight of my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. Specifically, I mean, it's obviously part of my paid program, but specifically because if you don't do this step, I know you won't go any further. <laughs> so it's important for you to kind of walk through this process of identifying your referral sources. So I know my students have that step done. It's like the first step they do when they join the program. So we know who our referral sources are. But it'd be the same thing for your listeners that aren't completely sure. I'm like, go look at a list of your clients, figure out where that client came from. And if they came from someone else, they were referred to you, then capture the name of that referral source. And that creates your list. And go back a couple of years, at least two to three years of data is typically what I'm looking for with my students. So number one, you need to know who our referral sources are. The only way to emerge stronger from this time period when it comes to referrals is the relationship you have with your referral sources and make and strengthening that and deepening those relationships. So I always say during times of adversity or chaos or the unknown, referrals, just like any other type of um, lead generation, it's going to probably slow down. In some areas, in some industries, maybe it's going to increase, but in a lot of areas, it's actually going to slow down. And so you may get less referrals, you may get less business during this time. So what you do have, right, is that gift of time to really invest in those relationships with your referral sources so that when we come out of this and business starts flowing more, again, depending on the type of law that you're in, right, but as business starts flowing more, again, you'll be the first one they think about because you weren't the one that went dark on them during this time. You weren't the one that they never heard from no matter how long this lasts, right, whether it's 60 days or 90 days or longer, you won't be like the one they didn't hear from. So first, identify who your referral sources are. Understand who's been referring you. Then what I'm teaching my students to do during this time period is if they have an outreach on their plan, still do it. You may have to change the message. You may have to change how you're going to do it, but still do it. And if you don't have a touch point, is what we call it, an outreach plan to your referral sources during this time, find a way to lean into your referral sources. The easiest way to do is pick up the phone and call or send an email or send a video or send a message and ask how they're doing and then ask if there's anything you can do to help them. And think through who your referral sources are and if there is a way for you to actually be able to help them. So it's one thing for us to reach out and be like, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? That's great. But if you can reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? If there's anything I can do to help, I've thought of two ways that may be helpful, but you let me know, I'm, I'm all ears if you have something else. And actually think through how you can help your referral sources. Here's the thing, you don't know what that is until you know who your referral sources are. When I looked at my referral sources, I know lots of them have clients and prospects and communities that may actually want my referral information. So when I reached out to my referral sources, I was like, hey, do you need me to put on a webinar for your clients or contacts or prospects or community? Would that be helpful for them to understand how to emerge from this time stronger as it relates to referrals? Because that's something I know that I can do. So it's thinking through it, like, and in some cases, just, can you just be the safe space, right? For people to have, make some, some business owners are going to have to make very hard business decisions during this time when it comes to their practice, their employees, what their business looks like when they come out of this. And sometimes it's nice to know I've got a safe space to have that conversation. So during this time, right, number one is, is you want to make sure you know who your referral sources are and you want to make sure you reach out to them and see how you can help them. You don't have to reach out to them and be like, I'm calling you because you referred me five new cases last year. And that's why <laughs> yeah. I'm calling you, right? Like we don't have to say that. But what we do need to say is, hey, you've supported my business in the past with, with the referrals of new cases or new clients you've sent my way. And I'm really thankful of that. And I want to do anything I can to help you. 
I've thought of a couple of ways of maybe I can help you and don't offer them. I mean, you can offer them free legal advice if you think you have the type of business or legal practice that they would want that from. But this isn't really like you offering to like give them free billable hours. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about figuring out what they need from you and then being willing to provide that. Right. And that sounds a lot more thoughtful than just a blanket message. Like going through the time and actually, you know, coming up with something custom is probably going to be super helpful. And then, you know, especially if you're going through this process too, I feel like a lot of people might get daunted thinking like the universe of potential referral partners is so huge. But, you know, when you really go down the process, you know, would you say 20 is a pretty reasonable amount of, of serious referral partners that people talk to? I mean, that, that kind of segues into another question maybe, which is, you know, this is another kind of throwback to BNI. It's just endless coffee meetings with people that realistically never go anywhere. I guess how does someone really prioritize within the list of people they're in contact with? Yeah. So I think you bring up a great question. So here's the thing. There's not necessarily a magic number that any business needs to have. It, there's actually a formula that I teach to my students of how they're trying to figure out how many referrals they need. I always say, depending on how, the number of referrals you need in a year is actually based on a couple of years. I hope I try to do a three-year average. It doesn't always help. I mean, it doesn't always happen if you haven't been in business that long, but I try to do like a three-year average of the number of referrals you've received over the last three years. What's that average number? Right, so we look at your average of the number of referrals you have received over the last three years. Then we look at the number of referral sources you do have, and we make an estimation that, hey, if we take better care of these referral sources, what's in a reasonable number of referrals we think that we can receive? So let's just take for argument, I'm going to use Amanda, who is a civil attorney on the civil side. She does personal injury. And so I'll just use her as my example. So she started in the program, she's been in the program now for five years, but she started in the program with one internal referral source receiving about, so it's another partner in her firm, receiving about six to seven referrals a year. So the very first thing we identified is, well, she needs 12 cases a year. She won't close every referral she receives. So getting at least more than 12 referrals would be great for her from that perspective, but it's not going to come from that one internal partner referral source that she had. So she had to build up her base of referral sources that then allowed her to increase her referrals. So the number of referral sources you need is more indicative on, well, how many referrals are you looking for based on the capacity of new cases you can take on in a year? That's going to give you what that number looks like. Now, ideally with Amanda, we grew her referral sources to about a dozen or so, I would say, over her first year. And that got her up to 27 referrals in her first year. So she started out with one referral source, six or seven referrals a year. She grew her referral sources to about 10 or 12. And I think that was the number. But that then allowed her to receive in her first year following the program, 27 referrals. And now she consistently receives, she's in her fifth year now, she consistently receives 40 referrals a year and she only needs 12, right? So she's going to be pickier and a little choosier as to what cases she takes and what this looks like. She brought in another attorney to help her um, because of her caseload had grown. So her number was indicative on what ultimately we wanted. And so what I, I teach is that sometimes the 7 million cups of coffee that you can feel like you're doing from like, like you meant the BNI reference can help you identify potential centers of influence that could refer you. But what I teach people to do is look through who has referred you. What do they have in common? And can you duplicate people like that and be a little bit more intentional and strategize on who you would like to refer you? And so that's the exact process that Amanda went through when she went through the program is like, okay, I got to figure out who I need referring me. Once she identified that, then it was a matter of turning those people into referral sources 
then the referrals started coming in and now she's just consistently maintaining that memorable and meaningful top of mind relationship with them that's generating her those 40 plus referrals a year. So there's a little bit more like data-based analysis that I'd like to do rather than just randomly picking a number. Oh yeah, you need a dozen or two dozen referral sources. It really depends. If you need 50 to hundred referrals a year, you're probably going to need a couple of dozen referral sources. If you only need, you know, like 20 or 30 referrals in a year, you probably can get away with only having, you know, 10 to 12 referral sources, but it just also depends on how well they are sending referrals your way. So there's some pieces and parts to this, but I always tell folks is that, yes, you do have to identify referral sources and how many you need is going to be indicative on some, some data within your own business, but the skill and the ability to meet somebody, determine if they could be a good referral source, and then follow the process that I teach to turn them into referral sources is really important, regardless of what type of time frame or world chaos that we are going through. It's a little bit harder right now because you can't meet with people face to face, and that's when good relationships get formed. But like my business, most of my referral sources aren't local, um, and so I develop relationships in other ways with them. But you know, it's just being open to those opportunities as well. Right. And kind of switching gears a little bit. So, you know, we've talked about the center of influence strategy just now, but what about getting referrals from clients? What's your recommendations for people getting more referrals out of the business that they're already conducting? And I guess less of a, like a peer relationship and more of a client relationship. Yeah. So here's the thing. There's actually four types of referral sources. The number one is actually clients. So it's easier than people think to generate business or referrals from their clients it does have something to do though with the type of law that you're in, right? So I talk to my criminal defense attorneys that are in my program and they're like, you know, we're not really interested in hitting up our clients to turn them into referral sources <laughs> because of the work that we do, right? And so it kind of depends, like some are going to have more of a focus on their centers of influence, which could be other attorneys or other business owners. And some are going to focus more on their clients. I think anybody in business law, estate planning, right? I think anyone on that side definitely could be getting more of their referrals from their clients. But like I said, there's clients, there's centers of influence, there's family and friends and there's strangers. I always kind of teach this as there's two above the line and two below the line. We don't build a plan for more referrals from any of the referral sources below the line, family and friends and strangers. Those things just kind of happen. What we do build a plan around are those that are above the line, which are clients and centers of influence. And what people don't recognize when it comes to turning a client into a referral source is we think that we're supposed to ask them for those referrals. That's the only way they'll think to refer us. That's just not the case, right? A lot of times what I'm teaching my students is the language that we use in terms of how we have the conversation with those clients um, to get them thinking about referrals without ever really having to be like, hey, by the way, give me 10 people you know who are just like you who probably need you know, an LLC, right? Or whatever it is from that perspective. And so it does come from the, the same type of process to turn a client as a center of influence into a referral source. Personally, I think clients are easier because they already know how awesome it is to work with you. You just need to make sure they're actually paying attention to how you maintain that relationship after the work for them is done and that you're making sure that you're planting referral seeds and that you're being intentional in your outreach to them. But it also starts with identifying those clients that you think could be good referral sources. Most people are like, well, I should get referrals from all my clients. And I'm like, that would be amazing. Probably not possible. What you should be aiming for is the 20 to 30% of your clients that probably even have the mindset to refer you. 
Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And then there's another thing too, is just like, you know, you can kind of imagine as these things kind of start to mount, and this is, uh, you know, reminding me from, from that, that earlier example with the personal injury attorney, quantity has a quality all its own. So you know, the ability to kind of be a little bit more selective is definitely a thing. But just to kind of hit one last thing as far as the uh, pitfalls that we've seen before is I kind of describe this as, as kind of being beholden to your referral sources. So having a situation where somebody's given you ideal clients before, but maybe they need a one-off from their great aunt who doesn't have that much money and now she needs all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself in a situation where you have a lot of uh, favors that you owe rather than actual situ situations that are good referrals. So how do you recommend people, yeah, I guess, train the referral sources maybe to give them the right type of client and I guess politely say no to stuff that doesn't really fall within that without souring the relationship? So it's interesting. So this is a question that comes up a lot and I, I'm always cautious in my answering of it because I think this conversation with our referral sources has a time and a place and used too prematurely, you actually can stop the flow of referrals from a referral source. So what I teach my students, and it's actually as they move themselves up to like what we, we call it in our program, it's you're going to be one of three referral ninja levels. So everyone starts out as a referral ninja beginner, and then they move to end training and then master. And it's at the master level that we actually start teaching this stuff. You need to move there pretty quickly. It's just a matter of getting through the program and starting to implement your plan. But one of the things we teach is called, it's, you know, it's changing the, the quality of those referrals. And so it's one thing we teach, but I tell folks like, you don't use this script or this conversation or this language with someone who's only referred you once or twice. And in particular, if they only refer you once a year, right? We don't really use this language with them. What we're looking to use this language with is people who are referring you multiple, right? So now they're in the habit of referring you. They're referring you more than just that one hit wonder once a year. And that it's important that we start, that we have the habit built in them, that they are a referral source for us. They've built the habit to refer us. But now we need to kind of change who they're actually sending to us. And, you know, and I, I, the way that I teach this to my students, I like to break everything down into just a couple of parts. It makes it easier, I think, for them to remember and then memorize and then use other type of language or when they're trying to have a script in mind. But ultimately what it is, is it's, you've got to remember to always thank them for who they did send to you and then kind of take the onus on yourself as to why it didn't work out. It's not on them. It's not on who they referred you. It's on you, right? You're bummed. You're disappointed. You couldn't help them. And then you use that type of language to allow you to kind of move into a conversation about who actually is your ideal client and who actually you can help. But it's all about making sure in this conversation, you do not put the referral source on the defensive, right? You don't ever want to put them on the defensive and you don't ever want them to feel like they now have to qualify who they send to you. If you come out with a list of like, hey, you sent me these three people and, I, and like, and that didn't work and they weren't good for me and here's why they weren't good for me and here's who I need from you. All of a sudden you've made me defensive for who I have sent you. And now you've just given me a list of to-dos and work for you. And nobody's thinking about that when they refer you. So what you do want to do is make sure you're managing that conversation well to keep them referring you, but with some different kind of like talking points in their own head about who they're going to refer to you. And that is all in the language. I tell people all the time, based on the stuff that I teach, none of it's rocket science, but the piece that people really need to understand and they need to do well. And it's the piece that some people get tripped up about. And that's why I have my program. It is the language piece. And it's that piece to kind of understand what's going to resonate, what's going to land well with the referral sources that you do have. 
to get them to referring you, to change the quality of the referrals they send your way, even right down to the conversation you have with a prospect who's been referred, because that sales first meeting conversation is entirely different than someone you maybe met at a networking event that's considering hiring you. So the language piece is critical um, to kind of understanding how this all works. The reality of it is though, is they just need to be like normal humans who think about how we want to be treated and then treat others that way while understanding how folks are going to react to things. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, I've brought up kind of a, a few situations and a lot of these are informed by, by bad experiences I've had in the past, but it really kind of turns out there is kind of a, I mean, not to say obvious, but somewhat kind of commonsensical answer to this, but obviously better ways to do things. But I really like how, how this stuff all kind of feels very human, but at the same time, there's, you know, this, this quantitative, rubric that you're laying this on top of, which I find super interesting. So um, yeah, Stacey, for, for anyone who's looking to get a little bit more in depth in this, because you know, it seems like we've got a lot of detail for a lot of these different things. What's the best way to, to get started if somebody's interested in this? Yeah, absolutely. So my home base is my website, Stacy Brown Randall. And of course, Stacy is spelled with an E. But I always tell folks the best place to go to kind of figure out how am I doing? Like, what's my skill and my ability level at being able to generate referrals is to take this nine question quiz that I have on my website. Just go to referralquiz.com. It'll take you to the page on my website where you can take the quiz. It's nine simple questions. It's free, but it'll help you understand where you stand right now in terms of your referral ninja level, you're going to be a beginner in training or master and how you stand at being able to, to generate referrals and to do that without asking for them. So I tell folks, take the quiz, answer it honestly, but be you know, brutally honest, but don't overthink the answers. And it'll give you a really good understanding of where you are. And then when you get your results, it'll provide a roadmap, a PDF you can download, and it'll provide a, a roadmap for what it means to move yourself forward. And I'll just go ahead and throw this out. If you land at the referral ninja beginner level, don't fret. 84% of the thousands of people before you have taken the quiz land at the beginner level. Only 2% of people who take the quiz land at the master level. So don't be surprised because there are just some things we have to think of differently that overcome all that mindset stuff we talked at the beginning of the interview. You have to kind of overcome all that stuff to start having success in this way. But the quiz is a great first place to start. All right, awesome. And then if, if you guys have enjoyed this as much as I have, I definitely recommend. I mean, I'm probably going <laughs> to I'm taking that after this too, Stacey. <laughs> full disclosure. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for, for being so helpful, Stacey. This is uh, really illuminating. I think, um, you know, I've got some homework for myself. Uh, this is part of it's going to be reaching out to people that I was probably going to be relaxing on for uh, the whole situation that we're in. But I think it's more important than ever that people have a plan for this stuff. And you've been super helpful with providing that. Yeah. Thanks again. And then um, for everyone else, we'll be back with another week of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.